Well, here we are back on module number eight of the How to Podcast Step-by-Step course. Thanks for bearing with me. I know this episode is probably the one you've been wanting to get to, to talk about gear. Gear is important, the kind of microphone, the kind of recording software you use, but the other stuff was vital first. So let's get into it. Let's talk about gear in this module. Okay, we're back on the How to Podcast Step-by-Step course. From Podcast Fast Track, here we're going to start talking about gear. Isn't this the fun part? We get to talk about all the technical stuff, the fun little toys. And I don't know what you're expecting here, but I know a lot of people kind of have the impression that you need to have a whole lot of stuff like a mixer and a digital recorder and all that kind of stuff. And I guess I should say you can do it that way. That's all great. I have kind of advanced to using a mixer. Because I've found in my workflow, there are ways for it to work more simply and more easily for me, an experienced podcaster, by using a mixer. But I hardly ever suggest that anyone just starting their podcast journey should use a mixer. So in this particular module of the course, I'm going to show you what I recommend as the simplest, easiest way to get the gear in a way that doesn't break the bank and actually produces really good audio. All right, the essentials. You're going to need a good microphone and some way to record that microphone. I say here recording software because it's really the simplest. Using something like GarageBand or something like Audacity, there are some other free options out there. Both of those are free in the sense that Audacity can be downloaded for free and it can be Mac or Windows. And then the GarageBand option is installed natively on every Apple device. So that's a good free option as well. Now, if you're going to be doing interviews, we're going to address one other thing related to interviews in a moment. And it's the way that I recommend that people do interviews just because it's simplest. Now, the non-essentials, good headphones. Now, understand you always need at least earbuds. That's an essential. But good headphones help you in some other ways, but you don't absolutely have to have them. And I recommend also a boom arm for your microphone. It's just something that can connect to your desk. Your microphone goes on the end of it and it has springs in it and stuff like that that help to eliminate the sound of bumps and things like that that you might make on your desktop or something like that. I am currently using a boom arm right now and it holds my microphone right near my mouth. And you'll see a picture of that in just a moment. All right, let's move on. Getting the right gear, let's talk about those essentials I mentioned. First of all, you're going to need a microphone. I said a good microphone. Now, what I'm showing you here are not the only options. But these are some of the simplest, easiest options, and I'll tell you why. These Audio-Technica microphones, the 2005 or the Audio-Technica 2100, are both, you can see here, under 100 bucks. The AT2005 is what I'm talking to you on right now. So if you like the quality of this microphone, you might be surprised to know it's such an inexpensive mic. It's 90 bucks. It can plug into your computer directly using a USB cable. That's what you see in the picture here. And it can also plug in using an XLR, which is the kind of plug that goes into a mixer. So you have kind of a a flexibility there, whatever it is that you want to do. You can use both on this ATR2005. There's one additional little perk to it. You can plug your headphones directly into the microphone so that you can hear yourself directly from the microphone before it goes through any other channels. 
in your own ear. Now, keep in mind, you won't hear someone else you're talking to, for example, that route is just to monitor whoever is speaking into the microphone. Okay, so that's the AT2005. The AT2100 on the right-hand side does everything that the AT2005 does. Yeah, you heard that right. It does everything the same. It just looks different. I kind of consider the AT2005 to be the big brother of the AT2100. I bought the 2005 when I first started podcasting just because it looked like the best thing. And then the AT2100 came out later and it was less expensive. Now, what's the difference in sound quality? Honestly, I don't notice a whole lot of difference in the two. I have used both and I just have stuck with the 2005 because it's done well for me. So these are the two that I recommend most. You'll hear people talk about a Blue Yeti microphone. I never recommend a Blue Yeti microphone for beginning podcasters. Why? Well, because it's got a lot of settings in it and a certain way you have to tweak it to make it sound right. Otherwise, you get a lot of room echo and you get a lot of noise. I mean, you just don't need that headache. The other that you hear a lot about is called a Heil PR40. And some of the podcasting folks that do coaching and things like that will recommend the Heil PR40. Now, if someone gave me a Heil PR40, I would take that thing and I would use it because it's a very good microphone. It is very expensive as well. It's probably $350 or more for that microphone. And I just can't justify spending that much when this $90 microphone does me just as well. And I have heard some microphone shootouts on podcast episodes or on the internet where they compare the sound of different microphones one to the other reading the very same text with the same processing and all that kind of stuff. And I honestly, I mean, I'm a guy who listens to audio for a living and I can't tell that much difference between the AT2005 and the Heil PR40. That's just my opinion as a guy who deals with this all the time. Now, one more thing I should have said about both of these microphones you see on the screen here are that these are what are called dynamic microphones. The other term that you'll hear is a condenser microphone. And what's the difference? Well, a dynamic microphone, the way that I think about it, is that imagine there's a bubble around the head of the microphone that represents the amount of, I don't know what you'd say, environment that that microphone is going to easily pick up. A dynamic microphone, the bubble that's around that microphone is going to be smaller. It's going to be about the size of a basketball at the largest, okay? So everything outside of that is going to be harder for that microphone to pick up. Now, keep in mind, if it's really loud, like in the background, a jackhammer is going on or somebody's yelling in the background, you're probably going to pick that up, at least faintly, okay? A condenser mic that I mentioned earlier, that bubble is going to be way bigger. In fact, the bubble actually is going to be kind of uh, have holes in it and let sounds through as well. It, A condenser mic is usually used in live settings, like a concert. You'll see guys on stage at concert or girls who are using what's called a Shure SM58. It's that gray microphone with a little round light gray ball on the end of it. That's an SM58. That is a condenser microphone. Those are very much in demand for live recording. But these two microphones, enough said, I think that either one of these two would do great for you. All right, let's move on. A way to record. Audacity, like I said, is a free software. It's fairly simple to use. 
there is a bit of a learning curve. I won't lie to you about that, but I'm going to give you a resource here in a minute that you can check out that will actually help you break down that learning curve for next to nothing comparatively to what it takes people to learn this professionally, like going to a school or something. Audacity is free. You download it. It does work for PC or for Mac. I think Audacity is a great approach for almost anyone. Now, you have to keep in mind with Audacity, when you do editing in Audacity, it does editing in a way that's called destructive edits, which means when you cut something out, it is cut out. Now, you can do control Z and restore it, but if you cut something out and then cut something else out and then add something and then cut something else out, it's only going to cut out the very last thing that you do. So if you decide that thing three steps back is something you actually wanted in your recording, it's gone unless you do control Z to undo all those steps you've already done. So you see Audacity has some limitations. It also will only record one track of audio at a time, one person at a time, unless you're using the same microphone. Now there are workarounds to that. Using a mixer is one. There are some pieces of software you can add to Audacity to enable you to put more than one input into Audacity. But I recommend you just stick with the simplest way of doing it, which is in Audacity. Because even when you're doing interviews, there's a way to use Audacity. And I'm going to show you some other tools here in a moment that you can use, one of them even being free, that can do your recordings outside of Audacity. And then you bring them into Audacity to do editing. So anyway, that's Audacity. The next is GarageBand, I mentioned before. Again, it's on Apple computers natively. So you should be able to learn GarageBand. Now I'm going to give you a couple of resources for learning both of these. Okay, the first here is a course called Audacity for Podcasting. Learn Audacity from start to finish. You can find it at audacityforpodcasting.com. Now let me make a disclaimer here. This is my course. I created this course for podcasters. Of course, people who aren't podcasting can use the course as well because it teaches the basic principles of how to use Audacity for audio editing. Some of the members of my audio editing team actually use Audacity and have gone through this course because it's pretty comprehensive when you do all three levels. There's a bachelor's level, a master's level, and a doctoral level. That's just what I decided to call them. And the whole all-in-one package, I think, is 39 bucks. So it's a minimal investment for learning your software really well, which is essential. You need to know how to use your software because the less you know how to use your software, the more time you're going to waste trying to figure things out. So just invest in a course, work your way through it. In this particular course, the modules are like 10 to 15 minutes long max. And you'll go through those modules one at a time sequentially, and you'll learn how to use the software. It's essential that you learn your software. All right, the next is GarageBand. This is kind of a long link. So I'm going to let this sit here for a moment in case you want to write this down. But this is a site I found that has a number of great tutorials and guides. You see it here. It says download guide to GarageBand for using GarageBand. So you can learn GarageBand for free as well. So I would recommend if you're going to use GarageBand, go to this site, check it out and find something there that works for you because you need to know your software or else you're going to waste a whole lot of time. Okay, for doing interviews, some people will tell you that in order to do an interview, you need to get some kind of a mixer. They usually recommend a small one, kind of like this. You're going to need a digital recorder so you can record it independent of your computer, you know, so because computer sound cards have issues and internet connections have issues and all that. But if you're recording to a, an actual device, 
you're missing all those potential problems. You're also going to use Skype because Skype is the way that people know to connect with people over the internet. And sometimes you need a third-party software to record that actual Skype call. And then you need a bunch of cabling to connect your Skype to the mixer so the guests can hear themselves and so they can hear everything that's going on on your side of the conversation as well. And all of this is truly something you can do. But I boycott all of it. (laughs) I think you've got way too much complication there, way too much potential for problems. Instead of doing all this, I want to share with you some of the ways that I go about doing interviews. Now, keep in mind, these technologies I'm going to show you change all the time because they are primarily dependent on the way they record. And let me just take a moment to explain that to you. Okay, let's say Susie here wants to record a conversation with Joe. Okay, now the way that you typically hear people explain that you should do this is to use Skype. Now, Skype is great for conversations, things that you're not going to be publishing. But I never recommend Skype as a way to record. And here's why. Okay, when you use Skype, Susie speaks through Skype to Joe, and Joe speaks back through Skype to Susie. Now, that's pretty normal, pretty routine. But here's what happens when you use Skype. In this back and forth here that we're seeing in the diagram, that is all called VoIP, Voice Over Internet Protocol, I believe is what it's called. And as this kind of conversation is happening, the actual voices that are going across the internet, across the ether, is what's being recorded. Okay? So does that make sense? This thing between the two of them is what's being recorded. Okay? It's not the best quality all the time. I mean, if you've used Skype, you know that's true. You hear glitches. You hear stutters. You hear actual noises sometimes, warbles and weird stuff that you don't want to record, okay? And when you use Skype, that's exactly what you're recording. It's less than optimal, can make for all kinds of headaches in editing. I don't usually recommend going that route. So instead, what do I recommend? Well, let's set up the scenario again. Here's Susie. Here's Joe. They want to have a conversation together and they want to record it. What they're going to do, and these are the ways I recommend you do this is use a third-party app. Now, Skype is a third-party app, but this is different than Skype because the way it records is an entirely different type of technology. And here's how it works. Essentially, when they get into this third-party app, they set up a little kind of a chat room is what it looks like, or a green room, some people will call it, where they connect before they start recording. And let's say Susie is the one who has set up the recording. She can then tell Joe, hey, it's time to record. I'm going to hit the record button. And there's a little button in the interface she hits and it starts recording. Okay, so how is it recording? What it's doing essentially is it's recording Susie's voice in her computer web browser really is what it's doing. And I put a digital recorder here just to represent the recording. It's not using an actual piece of hardware. It's using software in her web browser, say Google Chrome. Same thing is happening on Joe's side of the conversation. His voice, only his voice, is being recorded inside his web browser. Let's say it's Google Chrome. All right, and then what's going to happen is really cool. When they hit stop on that recording, it's going to take those two recordings and it's going to sync them together via that third-party software. 
And then whoever set up that recording, it was Susie in this case, is able to download both of those recordings. She can pull those into Audacity. She can pull them into GarageBand. And then she can just have a whale of a time doing her editing. And it's missing all those warbles and interruptions and weird glitches that a Skype type call would cause when they do that recording. So you can see there's a great advantage of that. Now, these three methods I'm going to show you right here all use that type of technology or something similar. The first one is a service called Zencaster. You can see the web address for it right here. Zencaster has some really cool things going for it. It has a very clean interface. It's very user-friendly, looks kind of like an Apple app of some sort. It's just really clean and, and cool looking. Everything's pretty intuitive in the way that you use it. But I have to be honest here, though I love Zencaster and I like Josh, the guy who's created it. I've met him a couple of times. This app recently, this is January of 2018, has had some issues. And oftentimes the issues that happen with these kind of apps have to do with updates that happen to the web browsers, which are obviously happening all the time for security reasons. And so when the browser that Zencaster works in conjunction with, in this case, it's primarily Google Chrome, does an update. That update can affect the way Zencaster works. And so Zencaster doesn't always work well. And that's true for any of these apps I'm going to show you. So you need to be aware of that. But for some reason lately, Zencaster has been having issues with syncing the audio so that the two voices aren't synchronized like they should be. And you have to do a lot more editing. Now, I'm not certain that's going to remain the case. Okay, this is just how it is right now in January 2018. I would recommend you go to the Zencaster website. They have a free program, a free plan. You can try it out. See what you think. See if it works for you and if the downloads you get are synced correctly. If there are issues, reach out to Josh and the Zencaster team. They are very helpful. They're guys that really care about what they're doing or trying to make a, a premier app. Now, Zencaster has a free plan, like I mentioned. I think it's up to like two hours a month you can do on the free plan. I'm not certain on that, so check it out. But they do have professional plans as well. Zencaster also connects with the service called Auphonic, which can do some post-production optimizing of your audio for you. It also has a little soundboard where you can add sound effects and use sound effects within Zencaster to add to your recording as you're having your conversation. Zencaster has got some pretty cool bells and whistles. So that's Zencaster. The next one is called Ringer. You can see the web address there. Ringer is an app very similar to Zencaster has a web interface just like Zencaster does, but Ringer has something else going for it. That is that Ringer also has a smartphone or device app that you can use. So if you have to connect via the phone, you can use an app to do that. Now, I never recommend doing recordings over the phone just because you're limited to the quality of the microphone in your phone. But if it's all you got and you got to do that recording, Ringer's a great option. Now, the app version is not web dependent like I've been talking about, but the web version obviously is. But in both cases, it's recording on either side of the conversation, like I demonstrated to you earlier. Some of the things about Ringer that I've enjoyed and that I've not liked so much. Ringer, I really enjoy that mobile app. If you need that, it's a great feature. One of the things I don't like is the web interface, in my opinion is a little clunky. It's not as user-friendly or intuitive as perhaps Zencaster is, in my opinion. 
And it's just, I don't know, to me, just doesn't always make sense. Now, once I do it, I get it and I understand it. I can do it again, but it just doesn't seem like it flows real easily to me. Now that's ringer. These are all my opinions, by the way. I, I don't have relationships with these people in the sense that I'm not giving you any kind of link that pays me affiliate money or anything. So I'm, I'm being really honest about these. And the next one I'm going to show you is called clean feed. You can see the web address there, cleanfeed.net. I really like clean feed. There's a couple of reasons I really like clean feed. Number one, clean feed is free. Free. I mean, every part of it is free. I had a conversation with one of their co-founders, Mark. He was on my podcast, actually. If you go to podcastfasttrack.com slash podcastification and search for clean feed, you'll find the episode I did with Mark where he discusses clean feed. Now, Mark and his partner, who is also named Mark, are radio guys and they created clean feed to use at radio stations. They actually have a beefed up version of clean feed that they sell to radio stations. That's where they make their money. And so the version they've created for podcasting only has functions that podcasters need, doesn't have all that other stuff, and they provide it for free. Now, the reason I like clean feed is because in all the times, well, besides the free part, is that in all the times I've used clean feed, I've only had one fairly minor issue out of all the times I've used it. The rest of the time, it has just simply worked. Now, Mark told me that CleanFeed uses a different kind of browser-based technology than Ringer and Zencaster. I'm not a techie enough of a guy to understand exactly how it's different, but he assured me it's very different. It doesn't have those same kind of dependencies. I'm just taking his word for it and I'm passing that on to you. I would encourage you, check CleanFeed out. Now, something I will say about CleanFeed is that there's a few pieces of it that are not as intuitive as I would like to see. Things like how you set up to get split channels from it. You know, your guest in one channel and you in another channel so that your editing can go better. Uh, some of that stuff, I mean, you can do it in clean feed, but it's not as intuitive as I would like. Nevertheless, I really like clean feed. Another thing about clean feed that'll throw you off if you're not aware of it ahead of time is when it gets to about the 30 minute mark in a conversation, you're going to have a window pop up that says, save this recording, essentially is what it's saying. And what it's doing is it saves the recording in 30-minute increments. So you're going to save the first 30 minutes, and this will all happen while you're still talking to your guest and while it is still recording. So it'll throw you off at first if you're not ready for it, okay? Don't panic. Just mute your microphone. Hopefully your guest is talking at that point. Name the file. Save the file as, you know, so-and-so session part one, and then unmute your mic and go back to your recording. I mean, it's easy to handle if you know it's coming. So that's clean feed. These three options are the way I recommend that you can do interviews. Now, you can go also to podcastfasttrack.com slash 79. And my onboarding guy, Aaron, and I did an entire episode where we compared these three along with some others like Skype and like another platform called Zoom. Now, Zoom is primarily for video conferencing that businesses do, but you can record through Zoom as well. And we actually liked Zoom better than we liked Skype. So if you'd like to hear that comparison, go to podcastfasttrack.com slash 79. All right, let's go on. Some things about using these apps. I've already told you some of this, but first of all, know that none of them are foolproof. The tech changes all the time. I mentioned the browser updates. Those are things you have to get used to. I would say also take the time to try them out and find your favorite. You may not like clean feed as much as I do. You may like Zencaster better. 
You may like Ringer better. Whatever it is, take the time to try them out and find your favorite. Don't just jump into one expecting you're going to do an interview right away. Get a friend to agree to come on with you and test it out from both sides so you can understand. I would suggest you create the session first, invite them in, and then try it out, and then have them create a session and invite you in so you can see both sides of how it works. All right. For interviews, I would say choose one and learn it well. Learn it well. I have a YouTube channel for Podcast Fast Track. Just go to YouTube and search for Podcast Fast Track and you'll find our YouTube channel. I have a video of how to use CleanFeed and I have a video of how to use Ringer. Okay, those may be helpful. So use YouTube. Uh, back, Choose another service, a different service as a backup option in case the one you're using for some reason glitches. I can tell you, you will need it. <laughs> there are going to be times any of these services are going to glitch. Now, the teams that are working on them are trying hard to keep that from happening and to make that not true. But as long as technology keeps advancing, it's probably going to be an issue because, you know, they're interdependent on other people's technology. That's just something you need to expect. So remember, podcastfasttrack.com slash 79. Aaron and I review all of these and we're going to be doing that annually. So there will be another episode eventually at the end of 2018 that reviews the current methods. We're going to try and keep up on this every year. All right, let's go on and we're going to talk about the scheduling part of doing interviews. This is a service you can book me, you can book dot me actually, that you can set up a free calendar. You can pass that link to someone who's agreed to come on your podcast and they can set an appointment. It will connect to your normal calendar. So Google Calendar, iCalendar, whatever you use, it can connect so that they can choose a time that's open in your schedule and you're able to set, like for example, I use Google Calendar. I'm able to set all my appointments, my normal appointments in Google Calendar and anything in between you can book me will pick up as open slots and it'll show those to people. You need some system like this because the back and forth and email, you could send five or six emails trying to narrow down a time and time zones and all that. And these apps will take care of all that. So this really has little to do with podcasting itself, but it has to do with the organization of getting your guests into your interviews. So I recommend you can book me. I use it a lot. I've used a lot of these kinds of apps, uh, just trying to find the one I like. And that's the one I like. Schedule once, you can find it does essentially the same thing. And then there's also Calendly, which you can use. All of these people swear by, people love. I recommend you get one of these. They all have free plans to some degree that you can use. You can book me, I think, had more features in my view. So that's why I chose it. Now, some tips for doing these interviews, these kinds of recordings and your gear in general. Play around with your gear first. Don't expect to plug it in and just go. Do your first recording. It's not going to happen. Play around with that gear. Learn its limitations. Read the manuals. <laughs> They're there for a reason. You will find your podcasting journey much less frustrating if you know what you're doing. Okay, make use of YouTube. Once you get a piece of equipment, go to YouTube and pick it out. I mean, like right now, I'm looking at my mixer. It's a Behringer Xenix 1204 USB. I would go to YouTube and I would say Behringer Xenix 1204 USB tutorial. And I bet you I could find five or 10 tutorials showing me how to use that mixer. Go to YouTube, learn. I call it YouTube University. Learn your gear that way. Also, feel free to email me, carrie at podcastfasttrack.com. If you have questions about gear, you want recommendations, you want some help. Now, I've not used every mixer. I've not used every microphone. I'm not going to necessarily know. 
but you can at least ask and I'll feel free to tell you no if I don't know how, but I also will recommend you to someone if I think there's someone who I know who might be able to help you. That's it for this session of how to podcast step-by-step. This is the session about gear. We're going to move on to some future modules, so stick with us. You have been listening to the audio version of a video course. How's that for confusing? But you can get the video course and all the downloadable action sheets to help you get started on your own podcasting journey at podcastfasttrack.com slash podcast course.